What's up, Catching Up With Cub listeners? We are on a mission to make this podcast Australia's number one entrepreneurial podcast. And if you enjoy listening, you can help us do so by rating us five stars and leaving us a review. Your reviews will help other listeners find our show and it lets me know what you want to hear more of. I'm so incredibly grateful for your support. Now let's get to the show. Hello, legends. Welcome to today's show. Catching up with Cub, as always, is brought to you by Cub, the Club United Business, Australia's number one members club connecting our country's top entrepreneurs and business leaders. And today I'm catching up with Cub member Nick Urie, the founder and managing director of Dextrous. Dextrous is on a mission to innovate the finance industry, specializing in providing you cost-effective and customizable finance solutions to suit your business. Me and Nick discuss how to correctly create and manage your targets, how to build the perfect finance team, managing offshore staff, and even managing Australian staff that are working both from home and from the office these days. Have you ever heard about robots doing finance? (laughs) Me either, but I did today. It was a really cool conversation. Enjoy the show. A team of 40 staff is, you know, that's no joke. That's the, in some ways, the team can often be harder than the actual business itself and the strategy and the finance, you know? Yeah, exactly right. It seems like a cliche, but without the team, what's left? The team is the reason why we provide great service. It's the reason why clients pay bills because um, they get great service and, and it's what helps us attract new clients. Yeah, the team is the business in the, in the sense. Really, if you kind of to think about business – I might sound dumb because I've never verbalized this and I just thought of it. But if you were to break up a business into three parts, you could say that there's the business aspect, which is like the strategy, the concepts, the marketing, it really strategy. You could say there's the people aspect, so it's your team. And then maybe the third would be the financial aspect. Yeah, it's the money. Yeah, yeah. So strategy, money, people. That's they're the three aspects. Of I should get a Nobel Prize for that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, looking at it through that lens, it's they're three pretty much key parts. And when we when we talk to customers, for me, everything falls into three buckets: people, process, or systems. You know, and and when we look at a, a new client, it's looking at it's a diagnostic how you operate today. Do you have the right people on board? Yes, you do. Are they are they future orientated? Are they growth mindset? Are they capable of taking on high tasks? Yes, no. Process are they manual, bespoke, streamlined? Systems, cloud-based, terminal-based. So, okay, well, where would yeah. you put in those three buckets? Where just to challenge it, where would you put creativity? Creative, where innovation, creativity, marketing. Where would you put those? Well, so marketing, I think, would fall outside in in a, in a sense that it's it's more this diagnostic is for um, analyzing a function within a business. So for us, it's analyzing the finance function, mm-hmm. and so that's the lens we apply. So you look at finance function, say people process system. Yep, 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 yep. Looking at it a business sense, yeah, you're right. You need to have to get a more holistic view. Yeah. So um, yeah. So this so, is yeah. a good way to look at every function. I want to improve this function. How do I improve it? Well, I can do it in three ways. I can improve the people, the processes, or the system. Yep. And how am I operating across these three functions today? And what does it need to be in the future? Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And why don't you? Because we obviously just jumped straight into that conversation. <laughs> but um, um, how long have you been a member for now? Uh, just over 12 months. Okay. Also, did you just renew recently? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And this is the first time we're probably meeting. So I'm going to – the best <laughs> thing about this podcast is really – because I, I don't get to 
to to meet as as many members as as I was able to at the start well, <laughs> when there weren't many members. Yeah. <laughs> but um, now that there's lots, I don't I don't really get to to meet that many people. So the podcast is actually the best way for me. It was the only regular way for me to to do that. So. Yep. But um. But yeah, I mean, like it's just. Two friends catching up talking about business. And uh, from what I hear, you've got a really interesting business. I was talking to Anthony. He was telling me that uh, obviously you're in the finance space. Are you accountants or are you financial? What, what, what do you call yourselves? Oh, look, we're an internal finance team for businesses. So you're an internal finance team for businesses. But uh, when I was reading your prep sheet and speaking to Anthony, for listeners who aren't members, Anthony's um, my business partner at Cub, Ant was saying that you're doing really innovative things. You're using technology and you're also using a combination of both onshore and offshore teams to provide personal service as well as cost effective. Yeah, ex- exactly um, right. Exactly right. So it's finding the right touch points for, for any new clients. It doesn't need someone in the office working intimately with the, the, the business owner or the other divisions. Um, or is the client just after a really cost effective solution? So we can ratchet up our, our Philippines footprint um, and, and um, capacity and then have the Sydney team is just more icing on the cake oversight. So, you know, it's funny, as businesses grow, you seek to streamline and, and standardise, but we've found that as we've grown, we've got the ability to really tailor a solution to a client. If you want someone in your office one day, we, we can provide that. But if, if it is a cost decision, and look, I'd rather businesses spend money on marketing sales rather than a, a back office cost. So we have the conversation with the business owners and say, well, what are we trying to achieve here? And we, we tailor the solution to suit. So okay. So your, what'd you call it? In-house finance? What, how would you say at the start? So we're internal finance team. Yeah. So if you think about your finance manager, your payroll person, your accounts payable, that's us. You know, growing businesses have growing needs. So a business today might just need a bookkeeper, keep the lights on, uh, and has an accountant that would normally sit external. But as the business grows, you, you have growing requirements, want greater insight, need greater visibility. Oh, my numbers aren't there on time. That's important in the future. It might not be today. So we provide a solution, mitigate key person risk so businesses can have that platform, um, tap into those additional skill sets as and when they require. So you might just need a CFO a day a week, an hour a month. But so a business like mine, I could – so I need a finance team – I can come to you, you pro- basically provide, is it like an outsourced finance team that works within your business? So they're exactly. employed by you, yep. however, they're working on my business. Yep. Exactly right. And, exactly. and it can be tailored towards me. I can get more cost effective and be offshore. I can have more uh, an internal experience of the person being in the, cu- in the office a lot more. Yep. That might be a bit more expensive, but I have that experience I want. So really they, I could tailor it to myself. Exactly right, exactly right. And we often find that, you know, it's rare that, a business just needs a full-time bookkeeper. They probably need the arms and legs of a bookkeeper, the the body of a finance manager, and maybe the head of a CFO. Just that combination of skill sets. And a bookkeeper, maybe, you know, they can step up and to, to perform higher-level roles, but more often than not, you know, a CFO is where they're at because of their experience. You know, the one thing you can't get tomorrow is that experience. So. And and when you got to the industry, right, and, and I want to talk about kind of your journey in business and how you got in the industry, but... When you got there, the, the one thing that I'm always really interested in is when someone comes to uh, – so I want to start a business, right? Let's say it's an accounting firm or a real estate agency. We just did a podcast with – just this morning with Gavin Rubenstein. So I was talking about real estate agencies with him. But a business that there's lots of competition for. It's a, it's a, it's, it's a popular market. It's a well-known established market, uh, industry. How did you think by entering that industry – 
did you sit there and, and analyze it and think, okay, this is how I'm going to penetrate the industry? This is how I'm going to do it? Or, and if so, how, how did you structure that? Yeah, great question. And it is a saturated market, the bookkeeping and accounting space. Um, lots of uh, one or two metal and businesses versus your bigger players, your big four, so on and so forth. So I think from the outset, we didn't want to be a number. Um, you know, I think as the the approach for us was um, my business partner, Jay, who's is not in the business any longer, but, but you know, our approach in the early days was let's disrupt the industry. Let's do something different. Let's combine the, the Philippines resourcing with, you know, the, the intimacy of a Sydney-based business. So we've invested just as much in the Sydney footprint as we have the Philippines footprint because we believe that the combination of those two, it's powerful. And also acknowledging that technology was going to be a game changer. Um, you know, seven years on now, the business is a big adopter of technology. We've got robotics in our business. We look to identify. <laughs> what does that mean? We've got robots doing my finances. Well, we've got, we got bots processing you know, those tedious mundane tasks, you know, mm -hmm. make that process streamlined. And what would have taken, you know, a human three to four days, the bot does in, in you know, six to eight hours. And therefore passing that cost saving on to the client. Yeah, exactly right. And so for us, it was technology, you know, there's a lot of transactional level services, you know, reconciliations and zero um, that go on. And I think business owners are becoming savvy enough to know that they jump into the zero file, a lot of things auto match. And so the business owner then is going to start to question, well, what's my bookkeeper doing? Where's the value? You know, and I say that the bookkeeper today reconciles transactions, the bookkeeper in the future will manage the exception. Oh, Nick paid, short paid me by one cent. I need a bookkeeper to help me reconcile that. So acknowledging that technology was going to... What do you mean manage the exception? So when you short pay me by one cent. Oh, okay. That's where the bookkeeper provide value. You know, historically bookkeepers provide value because they reconcile, you know, payment out equals here's the invoice match. So now they're just making, we got paid the right amount. Good. Yeah. Ex and, and if there's if there's exceptions, yeah, short payments, overpayments, uh, part payments. Split payments, yeah. Yeah. Then, okay. then they'll help there. And so what stage is the business at now? Uh, look, it's been how long? Seven years this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so look, where we're at, you know, I'm in the process of bringing on, uh, you know, full-time tax director, um, full-time um, head of CFO advisory. So um, like a lot of businesses, we're, we're seeking to go up the value chain uh, and, and uh, we've got a growing number of CFO clients for that advisory support. Um, and ultimately we're about providing, you know, businesses with a turnkey finance team. Uh, mitigating poop, key person risk if someone leaves. We've got depth. Uh, we've got best practice uh, in, in terms of how we operate uh, and we pass it all on to customers. And, and, you know, customers' minds should be on revenue and activities, growing the team. We we will manage the, the finance team for them and we work intimately with our clients. So we're there every day. And you've got a staffing of around 40 people? Yeah, about 25 in the Philippines and, and 15 in Sydney. Yep. Um, so, you know... In the early days, it would have been about one Sydney staff member to, to four in the Philippines. Um, but as the business evolved, we've, we've realised that not everyone's out there to save a, a dollar, mm. you know, and, and people want someone in their office because that's what they've either always had or it, what, it's what works best for them. It's an interesting one because it's your finances. You know, it's like, you know, you don't let everyone see you naked. Do you know what I mean? It's the same <laughs> concept. Like, you know, it, it's it's – you're exposed. This person knows everything about you. Your finances are it, it, it's under your dress. You know what I mean? And you almost do want. So I can. Un, my point is, I can understand when someone wants 
someone in their office that they know, they trust, they can speak to, they can call on for emergencies because it is it is a scary thing. But at the same time, it's your finances and therefore you'd expect it to be also cost-effective in in the sense. So you, you kind of toss between these two. Yeah, look, and, and different business owners see it differently, you know, and and, and um, your, your view is not unlike many, to be honest. And I think, you know, ultimately a lot of the information is stored in cloud-based systems. You know, it's the same cloud you access in the Philippines as you access in Sydney, you know. So we talk about privacy issues and these sorts of things and you're all bound by the security that exists within, you know, your Zero platform or your Google, your Google or your Microsoft. So, and in a COVID world, everyone was first to walk remotely, whether they liked it or not, overnight. Um, and, and, and many businesses now will see that as, as business as usual moving forward. Um, some won't. Some will, you know, you can see now some employees want to get people back in the office, um, want a finance team back in the office, but a lot are like, well, actually, we've, we're more profitable. We're still making money. We've got a more engaged team. You know, why would I want to revert back to the way it was? You know, so, um, you know, the silver lining, if I can say that, to the last two years has been that, you know, the whole world got used to remote working overnight. And uh, so is that what you guys did? Did you keep the office or drop the office? Uh, so in the Philippines, we dropped the office, um, and, and probably in the next six months, we'll look to, to, to get an office there again. Um, I'm a big believer in having an office space, you know, uh, I think it, it helps with engagement and building the culture. Um, and in Sydney, we've got the office as well. So Wait, where's the Sydney, Sydney, uh, Neutral Bay. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I love Neutral Bay. I was thinking about moving. <laughs> I was thinking about moving cause I, I want to get a house at the moment and, um, I'm looking in the East and it's like $15 million for the entry level. Yeah. And then, but you can look at like Neutral Bay, Mossman, and like those, Cremorne, those areas. A little bit more palatable. Yeah, they're beautiful. Yeah, it's 8 million. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's a good yeah. area. But, uh, and, and why are you there? Is that where you're from? Are you from the. Yeah, North look, or? I live nearby. So um, it, it works for me. Um, there's, there's probably a growing push from the team to go to like a North Sydney location. It's a bit easy to get to. But, um, you know, I'll, the team work largely remotely in Sydney. You know, it's, it's um, they're not at clients. They're working from home. And, you know, as a business owner, you kind of, for me, it's about output. Um, you know, it's funny. I had a staff member come to me the other day and they said, oh, I'm really busy to say, Nick, I'll need to work from home. I was like, that's interesting. Um, but, you know, she was like, well, I travel an hour and a half to work. I can do more hours in the day. And as an employer, you're like, well, okay. You know, there's got to be a, a greater pool to get people back into the office. And, and it'll, you know, for me, it's provided people feel safe and comfortable, then let's let's start to have that conversation. But um, Yeah, it's know. an interesting one. Like Laura always says that to me. Laura worked from home yesterday. But it's interesting because, I mean, there's no right and wrong. It's whatever works for a particular person's business. And the other thing the the staff of that business have to also realize is that different staff have different roles. Therefore, some staff can't work from home and some staff can. And now for the first time ever, business owners or, or managers are in this position where, you know, oh, someone's sick. They can't come to work. Yeah, but that person can work from home anyway, because, you know, they want, they, they want to work. They don't want to take yeah, sick yeah. leave. Yeah, They're not so sick that they can't work. They're just sick in a COVID time where you can't come to the office, just everyone thinks you, you know, you, you're able to give them something, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so, but there's some staff who can't do that. And so now managers are like trying to navigate the, is it equality? Is it not equality? Is it based on your role? Does each person have their own yeah, individual yeah. rule set? And all these people are asking for all this weird shit. And you, you know, it's really opened up a can of worms for, yeah. for business owners. It, it, being a business owner was already hard enough as it was. Yeah. 
COVID then made it harder. And now you've got all this backlash of things that are like, you know, new challenges of like, okay, so are people allowed to work from home? If they're sick, do they take sick leave or no? If yeah. someone, oh, they're stuck on a holiday and their partner wants to take them on the holiday, but they don't want to go, but they're stuck, they've committed. Can can they do three days of that holiday working? Does the, is that allowed? You know, yeah. these are all yeah. difficult. My answer to all of them is no. You're either at work or you're not, <laughs> unless you're unless you're Laura and whatever. <laughs> but but again, Laura's been there for five six years. She does a role where she could definitely. Uh, yeah, she's producing the podcast and producing yeah. the content and, and the branding. So she can do that from anywhere. She's and it becomes like, a trust yeah. conversation, doesn't it? And that's the other thing. It's extent. another element. It's mm. trust. Mm. So now it's not just even if I even if you could do your work from home, but you've only been there six months. Mm. Yeah, have you earned the right mm. to do it from home? Like mm. the person that's been there six years and no matter what, they've always got the work done. Yeah. You know, and yeah, so it's yeah. this whole new world of problems for business yeah. owners. Oh, it, exactly right. Exactly right. It's challenging. You know, yeah. and only. With hindsight, will you know if you're making the right or wrong decision? Because a lot of this is untried in a legal sense. Um, you know, you take the best advice at the time, but things change. Yeah, yeah. You know? In a legal sense, that's exactly. What, how, are you discriminating by not letting this person work from home, but this person is? Mm. No, I'm not. Disc- well, I kind of am discriminating actually, <laughs> because you know they've been here longer, they've got a greater amount of trust, and yeah. their role allows them to work from home, and therefore. Yeah. But but is that right? Is that wrong? Should everyone have? The, it's very complex world. For business owners yeah. at the moment, yeah, in yeah. terms of, I guess, their uh, working place, yeah, it, work exactly right. And and look for me, um, you know, as I said, I, I won't put pressure on people to to put them in a box and say you've all going to go back to the office um, unless it's not you know safe or comfortable to do so. You know, I I think my my original advice was like let's look to come back in the office. You know, maybe two to three days a week from from January or February. Mm. You know, lockdown hit and the second wave came through, and that's just moved. You know, now we're, people are just getting used to getting back into the swing of things with kids back at daycare and, and kids at school. And um, I think there's lots going on people's personal front. Um, and as an employer, I think with COVID, you've got to be mindful of people's personal situations, whereas before you might not have been. You've got to be very empathetic now. Yeah, yeah. So it's, um, yeah, look, and, and that's all in addition to running the business. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, so. run the business. Stay on, stay in the loop of my team's personal lives as well. Make sure nothing's <laughs> wrong and support them. How you know how yeah, appropriately? Yeah. It's it's complex, but 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 it's also a great time of. To, I also think it's a great opportunity for business owners to to almost prove themselves to the team in the se- or to bond more with the team because you, you ha- like you said you do have to kind of maybe show a little more interest in their personal lives um, and in, in, in changes of that. And, and basically you have to help them weather this storm and get through it and make it even better for their lives. And so it gives you the ability to really work with each team member or whoever, whoever reports to you yeah, yeah, and kind of have an even stronger bond than before and yeah, show them yeah. your commitment towards them and, and, and yeah, vice versa. Having compassion, you know, I think no one knows the end date. For our current, you know, setup, but we're all privy to the same information, and and you know, it was just this morning, you know, one of my Sydney team members' um, sons tested positive, and you now offline, you know, and as a business owner, and and, and for me, I'm so, you know, you're the home front. That's most important. We'll manage everything else, you know, yeah. because the work won't go away. Um, there'll be a few few things to manage, but but that's just the environment we live in, you know. So and tell me, so. Um, you were you always in accounting, or how did you get into that industry? Uh, look, yeah, I mean, it's it's uh, probably probably 
doing down the accounting path, probably mid twenties. I, I doubled in a lot of other things, you know, sales, marketing, hospitality, insurance. Um, really struggled to find my feet. Um, my old man had his own business in insurance, and there was a a pathway there at one point. But I wanted to go and do my own, my own thing, and so yeah, travelled a bit overseas. And uh, it was only when I kind of applied for uni as a mature age student that I got offered a, an accounting degree. You know, at uh, a university not not far from home. It wasn't my first choice but it was close to home and I thought, oh, accounting's a bit more specific. I'll give that a go and, you know, six months in, got a paid internship at a chartered firm and and they offered me a job on the final day and, you know, it turns out my granddad was an accountant as well and I was like, oh, it's right in front of me. In my, <laughs> in my blood. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, but did, um, did you find that you, you – or did you feel like you had found your thing or did you have a passion for it when you started? Did you realise you were good at it? Like, what yeah. What was the attraction? I think it, it just came naturally, you know, in the dexterous journey – um, starting that it was is similar similar feeling. Yeah. So when you started Dexterous, when, when did it get the point where? So you you were in a big chartered accounting firm, weren't you? Yeah. And how long were you there for? Uh, seven years. Seven and so years. what what got you to the point where it was like, all right, I want to start my own thing, and why? Yeah. Look, I, I guess the, I'd left the chartered environment probably five years earlier and went to to roles at a big bank. And can I ask a stupid question? Yeah. Sorry to interrupt. So there's accountants, and what's a chartered accountant? What's the difference? Uh, in most cases, probably not a lot. The chartered accountant is just a qualification, professional qualification. So, so, it's, like a, so it's like a higher qualification yeah, yeah. than than just being a normal accountant. Well, most accountants you'll find will have that qualification. You do your your CPA or CA in Australia, depending on what side of the fence you sit. Um, they're, they're probably not a similar qualification. Um, so, so there's two qualifications to become a. A legal certified, yeah, yeah, certified right. accountant, yeah, the yeah, CPA and CA. If you get someone with either, you're getting the same thing for all intents and purposes. And so, you, you so what, sorry to inter- I interrupt this question. I was just really curious, and I thought some <laughs> listeners are probably curious too. Oh, I don't know. I'm sure other people don't. But, yeah. but um, what gave you what gave you the motivation? What was the reason you wanted to start your own? Uh, disenchanted with where I was. I was in big business, a lot of bureaucracy, um, a lot of time invested on certain things that just weren't getting a return on, you know, it'd be all, all, all for nothing. Um, and, and yeah, look, it, my wife will tell me numerous times that when we first met, um, which was in the realm when the business started, that um, I never really talked about setting up my own business, you know, and, and, and shortly after opportunity presented itself. Um, Jay, my, my co-founder, was working with some clients who wanted bookkeeping and tax help. I was a tax agent just doing family and friends um, tax work. And look, it's over a cup of coffees. Um, you know, I remember saying to Jay, look, are we doing something or not? You know, he liked the fact we were disrupting an industry with a, 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 a different model. So that was always the plan from the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your wife, so you met, what's her name? Uh, HC. And so you met HC when um, you, when you were starting the business or just before? Uh, just before. So at the, uh, the bank I was at. And and what role did did she play a significant role in giving you support? Did you have you found that having a partner through the process has been, um, yeah. I guess a, a a supportive factor or a helping factor? De- definitely, yeah, definitely. Look, if not financially in the early days, you know, I took the plunge to leave, you know, the the corporate environment and um, work for it effectively as a startup, you know, and you don't know where your next dollar's coming from, and you know, we started the the hub and just down the road in um, William Street there and then and then moved to Watso, you know, another startup space and we just hanging out for our big, you know, our next big engagement and look, throughout that she was there to 
support me and um you know as financially as much as you know emotionally as you ride the waves so it, you know it's it was a tremendous help getting through those early days yeah um, i think i think having that person there to be able to bounce ideas off opinions off to, to kind of reflect on your day and to have that outside opinion on things yeah, and also yeah. to support you when you're maybe not feeling that crash hot like yeah. to give you that extra, you know, that extra that yeah. tender love and care while you know, maybe after a bad day or a bad week or whatever it is. Yeah. I think that's endlessly, endlessly valuable. I actually, I, I don't want to lie and make up a stat, but I read something years ago <laughs> about how um, it was a ridiculously high percentage of the world's billionaires had had long-term mm. partners. Mm. Um, mm. And how that correlated to helping them succeed. Yeah, right. Okay. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Look, it's, I think at the end of the day, it's, you know, they, they remind you why you're doing what you do, mm. you know, because you get wrapped up in the day to day, the good conversations and the bad. And I think they just, uh, they, they remind you, you know, that this is why we're doing it. You know, there's a bigger picture here. And you can lose sight of that when, when things aren't going so well. Yeah. If you're like me and you're going the whole time, single you you're you're rogue you know yeah i reckon it, it can be a trap because you buy yourself and when you when you buy yourself it's it's a very like could potentially could i don't want to dig myself a grave here, <laughs> but it can be a very like masculine like a, aggressive tone of business where it's just like there's a wall and I'm just going to hit it at 100% speed and just smash straight through it rather than yeah. like be a little more eloquent around the, you know, the place. Of, I don't know, but I just oh, think it's good to have that balance. Pros and cons to each approach. Yeah. You yeah. know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah, you know, 100%. Like, I, I feel like any decision you make, it's like, well, what's the downside? Yeah. If the downside is no or the downside's capped, then why wouldn't you have an option? Well, and everything happens for a reason. Everything plays the right way. But so when you started the business, so accountants aren't synonymous with sales ability. Were you a good salesperson or how did you really start gaining traction uh, and finding clients? Look, I, I think it's – don't tell an accountant they're selling because then they, they'll overthink it and they it'll, it'll fall apart. Um, you just tell an accountant to build a relationship and, and come from a position of authority in terms of subject matter. You know, finance managers can read a P&L, understand what that means from a business point of view. Just organically in those conversations, the client is going to feel comfort. And, and trust uh, and, and, and warm to the individual and conveying in the right manner. That's um, really good advice. Yeah. So yeah. I think it's, for me, I'm not going to say I'm a great salesperson, but the numbers tell a story. You but know, God damn like, it, I know my subject matter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, and and yeah. I, can, I can talk about the business and what we do and how we do it and why we're different till I'm blue in the face. Uh, and, and people can see there's an authenticity to that. And, yeah, like I, I live and breathe the business and I think that just shows through in those sales conversations I have, you know, there's no, I'm not spinning a web, um, understanding the business problem, the challenges business have um, pretty quickly because we've, I've had many conversations with businesses of, of you know, pre-revenue to, to multi, multi million dollar businesses. So um, as I said, growing business have growing challenges and some of those will be visible to the business owner today. Others, they'll need someone to sit with them and say, well, if you do X and Y, Z, then you need to be mindful of this. Like, that's great information. What was the biggest challenge you had in the first three years? Yeah. What was the thing that was stopping you from getting going? I think I think working out where we, we, we fit in the market because to your point, it is saturated. You know, we were putting proposals forward, but we probably weren't sending that different to everyone else in the market, you know, and then it just becomes a cost decision, you know, and 
um, I, I think we we started saying, well, the Philippines team will do all the transactional work, and the Sydney team is just almost an account manager, pretty face. face. Yeah, exactly right. And so, um, and and then as the business started to evolve, we kind of I guess more got comfortable in our own skin. We thought, well, hang on, let's invest in the Sydney footprint, which is daunting because the Sydney cost is 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 uh, you know, compared to the Philippines is sizable, and, and so. You know what comes first, chicken or the egg? Do you wait for the clients to come on board, or do you invest and then hope that the clients come on board to to support the costs? But we invested in the Sydney footprint because we we had this narrative around you know the the cost efficiencies of the Philippines team with the intimacy of a city business, um, and so we we thought, well, let's invest more in the Sydney footprint. Um, customers are prepared to pay for it because they know they're getting someone in their office, and so um, yeah, I think. But in the in the early days, we 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 were just a I guess a cookie cutter, you know, three, 400 bucks a month. Um, this is a service, um, not dissimilar from any other, you know, the. So you had to find who you were as a business in order to then yeah. grow. You, ha- you really Growing had your to. Own skin. Yeah, you were, you were going to your adolescence trying to figure out what type of man or woman you wanted to become, you know. Yeah, in a sense, yeah. yeah. Look, and, and, and it's a journey, you know, and we don't get it right all the time, um, but, but we'll always put our best foot forward, you know, we'll always hold ourselves accountable. Um, you know, we're, we're humans providing a service, um, putting the, the bots aside, um, we're humans providing a service and, and, you know, if we ever find ourselves in a position where we haven't, you know, um, put our best foot forward, we'll put our hand up and say, well, we, we stuffed up here and this is why it won't happen again. And so when a business is looking, because I mean, it's kind of having like a CFO or having a, I mean, every business needs a finance function, mm-hmm. but it definitely changes as the business kind of grows and uh, we just hired our second, maybe like six months ago, but we hired our second kind of accounts team member. Um, So now we have two full-time and I'm sure it's about to get even more complex with a lot of the (laughs) other things that we're doing. But I guess what are some advices you have in in terms of how businesses should set up um, an effective finance function or or what's what's a good way to start and how have you seen that grow over time for a business as it grows? Um, With any recruitment, I've, Hire the unicorn, you know, the, hire the really good staff member. You might pay a little bit more for them, but the, you'll ride their coattails. You know, they're the finance person that knows finance systems, finance process. Um, generally finance, you know, accountants, professionals have good networks that they can leverage off. So, um, you know, if you need additional resourcing in time, then that's a conversation they can have. So I think it's hire, you know, the the one person that, you believe will, will give you, um, you know, peace of mind when you're lying awake at night that the I's are dotted, the T's are crossed. Um, your ATO compliance obligations are taken care of. They can manage the relationship with the external accountant or um, they've got a qualification themselves to do it. So, uh, yeah, get that person. And you might not need them full-time. They might be working through someone like a dexterous model or they might just be a part-time individual person. Because a dexterous model would be more cost-effective for, for example, an earlier-staged business that doesn't need someone there all the time, yeah. they could come to Dexterous and it would be yeah. more cost effective, no? It def- definitely, definitely. And look, we're, we're tax agents as well. So we do all the income tax work. So the the relationship you need to have with a bookkeeper and then an external accountant doesn't exist because it can all be done within the one roof. Um, but I think, look, we, we work with a lot of our customers who might have just an internal finance person and we do everything else. You know, looking at what you, you know, the Sydney, the cost of employing in Sydney, it's important that you're always getting value for that cost. And so we want to make sure in everything we do that the work's been done at the right level. 
we don't want the fi- you don't want the business paying one hundred twenty thousand dollars for a finance manager, and that finance manager is doing payroll or reconciling transactions. You know, you might be the end of that finance manager three days a week, not five days, um, and you get a bookkeeper to come in two days a week. So what, sorry. So what you're saying is, like with a company like yours, with Dextrous, what does Dextrous mean? We'll get to that after. Yeah. <laughs> but with, with a company like Dextrous, um, you you know you can have the CFO. You don't have to pay them for five days a week. You might need them one day a week. Yep. You can have the bookkeeper for three days a week, and you can have so you can really custom build yep. your finance function yep. for you. And and so how do you help your clients know what they need? Because like if you asked me, I have no fucking idea. Yeah. Look, and and it's through that that diagnostic, you know, the the people process systems. How are you situated today? So you've got two full time staff. What are they at the same level? Are they at different levels? Are they same skill set? Um, you know, you're a growing business. You've got um, different offices, so it's interesting to know. Okay, how profitable is Melbourne versus Brisbane versus Sydney versus Potts Point? Um, what's the growth area? Where's the opportunity? That's, I guess, from a marketing what what you would take care of. But you want someone to tell you, actually, Daniel, um, we're losing money on Potts Point. Let's let's look at what we're charging or. Can we or do more expanding events? in the city and winding down there? Yeah, exactly, or? exactly right, exactly right. So you want to know, okay, is Melbourne more profitable than Sydney? You know, do you want to know today? Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But um, you know, there's as the business grows, you'll want to know what the PL is for each division. You know, and then obviously that forms part of conversations you might have with other people who are running those divisions. You know, Calvin in the Sydney office. Okay, well, you're managing the PL now. Um, these are the targets. You know, if you're hitting your targets, then the, the cup as a whole is hitting their targets, you know, if, if everyone's in that number. So the conversations that fall off the back of it. Um, yeah. You if know. you don't know, my, my old man always used to say to me, if you, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Like if, if, if he still gives me shit that because um, <laughs> I'm not very numbers driven in the deed. I'm not very detailed actually. It's not, I'm yeah. good with numbers. I can do them in my head pretty big, but it's the details of things that I'm not good at. Yeah. And, um, and so for example, the, the he always gives me shit about, you know, you, you need to know your numbers. But I don't think it, you do, but there's a lot of business owners that aren't that way inclined, for example, myself. And like one thing that I did really s- simple, which I thought was genius, but <laughs> but it might not be, but it was a simple way for me to know if I was doing well or not on a daily basis because I, I, I really believe you have to see extremely regularly to keep it front of mind. Whatever you focus on is what's going to work. Mm-hmm. So I literally every day – get sent, how much money went out and how much money came in for that day. That's, that's what I get sent every day. Yeah. And if I see regularly on it and then that gets collated into a, like a, a report that I receive also every day, which has my key metrics. But yeah. but if, I, if I'm always seeing more money coming in than going out, I'm like, all right, well, I'm, I'm doing all right. I'm doing day. something correct. Well, I'm doing something correctly. But if you start saying, oh, well, why is it too much money? And it tells me what that money was on. So yeah. I can – if that's different, I'm like – I will ask, what the fuck is that? Yeah, and then yeah. they'll normally say, well, that was your Amex bill because you, you, know, <laughs> you, you, you did this, you bought this for the whatever. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and but, but, but that was like a really simple task. That was a really simple way, mm. that method that I do. I would actually encourage others to do it really. I, it mm. really, really helped me. Look, and, and that's what we say. So for people who, who you know, not like yourself, uh, but anyone, to be honest, in general, is, you know, there should be three to four metrics you look at to know if your business is successful. And, and a conversation I have with a lot of business owners uh, when we look at insights reporting for them and preparing a dashboard for them is that, you know, when you're lying awake at night thinking about the business, how do you know it's successful? Is it more members this month than last month? Is it 
additional uh, footprint, uh, you know, in another state. Um, but so then that's that's crucial. Those th- kind of three metrics, like for Cup, it's sales, renewals, cost. That's it. We know like, we haven't got a cost of good. We've got a fixed cost. Yeah. So I know what they are for every club. So I can literally do Cubs. Like I do the numbers on like scrap pieces of paper. I'm like, yeah, hey, this much, this how much, yeah, this is the profit. This is what the profit's going to be for this year. And I can almost get that on the money. Like because yeah. it's just I know that figure. I know the business so well yeah. as a yeah. as a whole that I can conceptualize on a napkin and I'm pretty like I'm on, almost on the dot. And, and the next lens is to say, well, okay, that's where we are today. If our five-year goal is to be an X million dollar business, step back to three years into one year, what do I need to be looking targeting? So you, you put a target or a forecast against those numbers. Um, but but I think it's it's uh, you can get this so much data um, and it can get become overwhelming. So it's, okay, what are the three to four metrics of success? Um, let's play them back to you. And so you'll sit with your client and be like, okay, where do you want to be in five years? Your client says, I want to have a hundred million uh, in revenue in the next five years. I'm currently at uh, 15 million in revenue. Um, I, and so, so you'll sit down with them and say, okay, well, if you want that, this is where the, the, we need to make a plan towards getting that. If yeah. you want a hundred million in revenue, you're only in one city now, you're only in Sydney, you've got 15 million in revenue. Well, to start, we're going to have to open up in other cities to add more, yep. to have a bigger market always. Yeah. So, and that's how you're working. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Exactly. You can work for us. <laughs> yeah, I would be pretty good. I reckon I'd be, I'd probably be good at selling it for yeah. you. <laughs> but but exa- exactly right. You know, it's, it's the, you're the visionary. No one knows the better business than you, you know, and, and what I was going to say before is that, the most satisfying um, thing for me is that, you know, you've got a good gut feel about how the business is going. Over and above what numbers you're looking at, you've got a good gut feel about how you're doing. And it's the best thing is when we provide reporting that aligns with what your gut's telling you. And if we don't, that's really insightful too because it means that you might have missed something. Yeah, your so, gut's wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right, you know, and, and it does happen. So the, the, the reporting validates either of those two, two, two schools of thought but um, – you know, it's 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 a journey, you know, and and even for the dexterous business, our internal reporting evolves. You know, whether platforms we use or or how frequently we look at. You know, I think it's important um, for for you know. I mean, I would advise normally in terms of all your metrics, looking at them daily, depending on what industry you're in, um, is maybe too much. Um, but again, it depends what metric you're looking at. You know, there's operational metrics, and then you've got investor metrics. You know, your investors will be interested in profitability. You know. Be per per footprint and, and overall, they're not interested in um, you know some of those more operational metrics. So, number uh, of meetings booked today. Yeah, exactly right. Utilization of of certain things. So, um, it, it's really making sure the information you provide is fit for your audience. Um, and and as I said, it, it it evolves. It's an iterative process that you go on. Um, and said so even for our business, the reporting has changed over time. Um, but, uh, and so you map your own finances the way you'd map other people's. So like you set your own yeah. goals and you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Look, sit down, do an annual budget, you know, and report against it quarterly and, um, you know, assess the performance against the budget. Why do we miss what's new? What's new information? Because COVID has just shown that no one, you know, you can have all the best laid plans, but it can go out the window and then it's fight, fight or, you know, fight for survival for, for two years. Um, so, but, but yeah, look, it's important to then reset and say, well, okay, let's, you know, flat year on year through the COVID period, let's start again. You know, yeah. we've always been paused like a lot of businesses and we're fortunate enough to say that. Obviously a lot of businesses have suffered 
far, far worse. Yeah, a lot um, of businesses also went really high up. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was just, it just was the way of life. Things just happened. Yeah, it depends businesses. what sector, sector you're in, and mm. so. But I think it's important to you know to target and to forecast. You know, what do you want to be a business in five years' time that's still tied around yourself, or do you want to be have a system that works without you being integral to the moving mm. parts? You know, for me, it's about making sure the dextrous is. Um, you know, the, it's, it's, I'm there for the exception, not the rule. It's funny. We actually had this conversation yesterday in our leadership team meeting. And so every month the different club heads uh, come and catch up with me, but all together. Yep. And we run through um, the basically each, club, each club's KPIs, our combined goals, and we just talk about things. And one thing I was telling – so uh, one of the club heads is new. Her name's Holly. She's uh, running Melbourne and she, well, I'm working with her to, to really take that on. And, uh, you know, we've got our, our annual forecast. So we have what we all need to be doing on a monthly basis and on a quarterly basis and whatnot. And she, she was uh, in a deficit for January, meaning she, it was, she was shorter on the sales than was, yep. she was supposed to be on a monthly basis for January. Yep. So was the CBD. So, so was Calvin's club <laughs> and so was Potts Point, yep. uh, Anthony's club. But, <laughs> January only had, I think we worked two of the weeks in January or one of the weeks in January, yeah, something yeah. like that. But so, but the, uh, I could see uh, I was working with uh, Holly and Calvin. I'm saying, look, that's not a bad thing. It never, so your annual budget, it never, it never works out to be split 12 ways yeah, yeah. equally each way. That's just not how it works. You have to be aware that January or different businesses have different bad and good months, yeah. but January is never a great month for sales. You know that, but it's always a great month for renewals. This is why it showed that, you know, um, yeah. uh, just because you're in a deficit in January, you might finish the quarter in a deficit. That doesn't mean you're failing. It just means you need to have a robust annual plan where you know, okay, well, the first quarter, we're going to be slightly behind because of this, this, and this reason. But in the second quarter, we've recruited these two people and that's going to give us an actual boost. It's not going to wipe out our deficit entirely, but yeah. it gets us pretty much there. The third quarter, however, we're planning on being much, much bigger because of X, Y, and Z. And the fourth quarter, that's our biggest quarter always. So really <laughs> we're going to end up way ahead of things. So you can't let a monthly or a quarterly um, uh, underperformance mm. affect your mindset because yeah, yeah. it's not a monthly or quarterly game. It's an annual or it's, it goes over the yeah. plan. And if you've planned to be lower in a quarter for a reason – well, you, that's part of the plan. Also part of the plan is to get above target for the next quarter mm. and you know how you're going to do that. So mm. it's important looking holistically yeah, at, yeah. at your goals. Yeah, exa exactly right. And I think, you know, you can look at that that forecasting process and if, if you look at January and for the last three or four years, it's been a similar trend. Then potentially, you know, when you forecast next year, the January quarter looks or the, the March quarter looks uh, is lower and then you, you load it up in the, the later quarters. So people don't have that feeling like, oh, I'm, I'm under budget or I'm behind because you've only worked two weeks. So if now it's not just annual budget divided by 12, it's annual divided by 12, what does this look like? Actually, people have missed it all January. Let's get people to come back into the office and feel good about the year, not hang yeah. on what you've missed and let's, let's, let's re-amortise that budget over there. And, and there's even things you can do to plan. Like mm. when you know your business and you know its cycle, yeah. you can plan around it. For example, from October to December – we literally, that's the biggest <laughs> influx in new members ever. It's yeah. always our most difficult time with inductions and the welcoming because th there's, 
I think what was last November, it was something like 60 something members came in in, in four weeks. Yeah, it's wow. a huge amount it's of great effort. It, it's it, not, it's more <laughs> the induction of them yeah, yeah. that is hard. You've got to now teach them the club how it works. that takes a lot. 60 something people, it's a, it's mm. a, it's, that's probably <laughs> 120 hours of like yeah. it's, it's a big deal, but. To my point, January is horrible at sales because you have half a month, people are just coming in, you've mm. only met them once, you know, they're going to come in the second time in February. Yeah, so yeah. what you can do is like what we would do is, okay, if you joined in December, we'll make your renewal January. Mm. So in the following mm. year, you have this yeah, huge yeah. influx yeah. of revenue come from January through renewals because you're making a lot of sales in December anyway. So yeah, you can yeah. always balance, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. you can balance it out. You just need to know your business's yeah. life cycle. Exactly. Right. July yeah. used to be a horrible month for us because all the business owners would go to Europe and we, <laughs> we had no one to join. <laughs> COVID happens, bang, July's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so you really have to know your your, your life cycle. Exactly right because you, you'll plan things and you want to make sure the cash flow is there to support mm. certain decisions that are made. Yeah. Um, and so you know, you know you can invest in things around that last quarter but maybe not in January. Mm. <laughs> and boost the money in January by giving the people that joined in December and a, a free month. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. So their renewal moves to January. I think I got that. Did you? <laughs> yeah, you got that. Now you know why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, but it's good for everyone to win for the business, win for the win for the member. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Um, and uh, just because we, we do have to wrap up now, but I wanted to ask you uh, about your experience in offshoring. It's something extremely uh, common these days, mm. of course, uh, particularly with the – rising uh, cost of, of, of uh, staff in, in Australia. Yep. Um, and you run a team of 25 there, you said. Well, I guess what are some lessons or, or tips you have in uh, getting the best from your offshore staff? Yeah, great question. Um, treat them no differently to, to your onshore staff. Um, you know, I think that's the first and foremost. You know, if you hire someone in Sydney, you don't give them a desk and a computer and expect them to know exactly what to do and how to do it, depending on what level they're at. Um, the same goes in the Philippines. You know, you you invest the time to train the person and you'll reap the rewards. And I mentioned before about hiring the unicorn. You know, same in the Philippines. Hire that, that you know, pay a little bit probably more than, than what you might originally envisage, get the great resource, and then they'll they'll train others around them. But I think it's um, don't look at it any differently. You know, especially in a COVID world, it doesn't matter if a person's sitting in Hornsby or the Philippines, provided they can deliver you know, and, and converse, you know, in, in not a dissimilar kind of manner, then, then, then you'll reap those rewards, you know. And how do you keep them front of mind? Because like all things, whatever you focus on is what happens. And because you're not seeing the staff in the Philippines like you're seeing the ones in the office, how do you maintain that regular connection and, you know, literally yeah. just seeing each other? Yeah, look, so, so look, communication either via Teams call, there's monthly engagement activities, um, you know, we'll run – We'll start to start this shortly. You know, um, people work in teams of four to five across Sydney and the Philippines um, to to look at innovative innovation ideas. What do you mean? Um, in terms of process improvement. No. So what do you mean by teams of four or five so across Sydney? And Philippines? Four or five people um, in 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 the let's call it two in the Philippines, two and three in Sydney, working together to problem solve. Um, oh. So so collaboratively. That's um, cool. Yeah. So I think for me the silver lining. I used to look at the the Philippines team and the Sydney team. Um, differently in the sense that I'd, I'd go to the Philippines and I'd drive on the Monday and I'd say, I want to take you all to dinner on the Thursday and they'd all turn up. I come to Sydney, want to go to dinner Thursday. Oh, I've got yoga Thursdays. Could it have to be this Thursday? Am I getting paid for this? Do I have to, can I bring my husband? It's like, 
I guess all too hard. Um, so different mindset, but look, the, again, if I can say the silver lining to COVID, the, the business is more engaged across the business than it, it, it's ever been, you know, and I, I hear that in the conversations I have with individuals and I think, um, look, it's a, it's a constant effort because the one thing I can't have is them in the office here. Um, so, yeah, look, it's it's bi-monthly town halls where I'll talk about updates in the business um, I do one-on-ones with everyone in the Philippines, you know, every every you know six months because um, to hear from 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 me, I think it goes a long way for people, you know. And it doesn't work every time, you know. We lose some good staff, and and we always will. That's just the nature of it. Well, that's business. So that's people, business. Shit happens, and life changes for people. Yeah, exactly right. And, and and people's personal circumstances change, and and so um, yeah. But I think it's I think it's monthly engagement activities. It's regular communication. You know, we. As because we operate as the finance function for businesses, the finance teams, there's daily communications going on, you know, about the roles we're performing for different businesses. So I really like what you said about um, putting little teams together for, across uh, Philippines and in, in, in Australia uh, to to find innovations or, or to problem solve. We've been talking about doing something at Cub, um, where we're going to like send different teams or even random people within the company on like retreats to yeah, we've got that house in Berry Cubbones, that country house mm. and like send them there for like a, a three days and <laughs> just like, you know, sit around a fire, drink some wine and get creative. Do you mm. know what I mean? Like just yeah. come up with cool shit, come up with new services, come up with innovation. So I really want to do that. We've yeah. never done that, but that, that's where like it's brewing. At the yeah. moment. <laughs> that, 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 it's well, a similar that, concept to what you're yeah, saying. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's like sampled environment, you know, no, no idea is a silly idea. Let's just put it all on the table um and 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 what comes of it yeah um, i i think so. it's really cool just get the team together to just get nice and creative yeah yeah you know? yeah yeah awesome man well it was such a pleasure chatting to you yeah thank you and very much um i hope you've been enjoying cab <laughs> <laughs> look i i've i've uh i've said to anthony pre-christmas that i think the 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 way you guys lead it there's an authenticity to the approach and that's what resonates for me you know i think it's you can see you you live and breathe this and, it, and you're really passionate about it and and it really is a member's first um, you know, what, what comes from a financial perspective is great, but I, I don't, I don't feel like that's why you do it. I feel like it's about creating an environment where business owners can call, call, call at home and, and have that connection. So, yeah. um, that, that's, that comes through. Well, I just love, we love business owners. Cub loves business owners. That should basically <laughs> be our, yeah, that should be our, so it is, I don't care how we help them. I just want to help them. And the best way we've learned how to, at this point in time is by helping them build relationships with other business owners. Yeah, you know, it's literally growing your business owners network. That's that's just we kind of fell into it, but yeah, yeah. but um, we do love business owners here at Cub. <laughs> and um, to the listeners, if you want to find out more about Nick Yuri, you can go to cub.club forward slash podcast, and you can find out some tips and tricks, favorite books, quotes, uh, his website, his LinkedIn, uh, absolutely everything. Um, and if you want to catch up with Cub on social media, it's at Club United Business. Go check it out. I'd love to. I'd love to hear. Um, Nick, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much. Much appreciated. Hope you enjoyed the show.